Welcome to the Missio Day podcast. Missio Day is a family of Jesus, joining God as he makes all things new in Chicago. Check us out online at missiodaychicago.com. So, you know, we are going to be talking in the book of Ephesians for a while. And in that book, we meet this incredible couple, Priscilla and Aquila. Actually, we met them in the book of Acts briefly. Uh, they are tent makers like Paul, and they met and befriended Paul while they were all in Corinth at one point. And they went along with him on his second missionary journey when he went to Ephesus. They very likely were with him, like we talked about last week, when that moment where there was the riot in that um, courtyard where he would go every single day for over two years to preach. They were probably with him. So while Priscilla and Aquila were um, there in Ephesus, they heard a gentleman named Apollos, and he was teaching about Jesus powerfully. They could tell right away that this was somebody who was going to have a big evangelical impact if he could continue to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. But they realized when they were listening to him that he had more to learn. He had learned about the baptism of John the Baptist, but didn't know about the full baptism with the Holy Spirit that came through Christ. So he was a gifted teacher, but he had more to be developed. And they, um, they influenced him. They taught him that together as a couple, we also know, um, the, and, and we can see through that, like this couple behind the scenes of this gifted teacher had enormous impact on the future of his teaching and the way of Jesus. We also see that Paul refers to this couple again in the book of Romans when he's listing out in chapter 16 the people that he's um, honoring and giving special thanks to. He lists these two in 16, uh, starting in 3. He says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They co-labored together in the work that Paul was doing. He says, They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Look at the impact of this couple who largely remained behind the scenes. They did host things in their home. They taught Apollos, but in large part, they were behind the scenes. Why am I bringing them up today? Because we're talking about Ephesus, and I like to talk about that book so much, um, the book of Ephesians. Wait, I already warned you. Um, but today we also have the opportunity to honor a couple who has had enormous impact on this community. So uh, Justine has served on staff. She has served as a deacon for many years. She built and formed our children's ministry. Justine and I have been friends probably since Gigi was born, um, when I first started taking Gigi into a very small kids' ministry back there in the corner room. So that's like 18 years of friendship. They've been here for over 20 years as congregants. Um, Jason has served as an elder since we think 2011. But none of us really remember him not being an elder, kind of. Um, he's not only a neighborhood elder here in Wrigleyville, but he's also faithfully served as a directional elder, which is an elder board that um, oversees and serves the entire Missio de Chicago group of congregations. Um, and he's served in literally countless ways and literally countless hours, um, often what would appear to be behind the scenes, but is just incredibly formative. So yes, we want to celebrate and honor them as they are transitioning out to their home that they've been in for six or so months in the suburbs. Um, and now it's time for them to find a community closer to home. We want to honor them. But more to the point for why this became an Encounter Sunday is that I wanted to celebrate the way that God has shaped us and created our story collectively as a church through people like them, people like Priscilla and Aquila 
as well, who've had enormous impact, even when it's not necessarily from the front, like, like Paul or Apollos would have been, or the many pastors who have served in the 20 plus years in Wrigleyville since they've been here. So, but there were these couples that are influencing enormously, sometimes behind the scenes. So this morning, we want to hear from them. Think of it like hearing from an elder statesman, if you were in the political realm, somebody who has gone before you and you want to lean into the wisdom that um, you, that they have experienced from God and from this community. So Justine has preached with us before, and a few weeks ago after service, she started sharing with me a moment that she had with the Lord in this space, and it was powerful for me, and I thought right away that it was really powerful for all of us to hear. So we have invited her to share with us one last time before we bless and send them on their next adventure. Welcome, Justine Pucker, please. Thank you. Um, Okay, forgive me for... Obviously, I don't do this frequently, so I'm going to shift this over here like a real speaker would. Thank you for my tissue, Todd. (laughs) Let me raise this up a bit. Um, Well, forgive me because I... Well, no, I'm not going to ask for forgiveness. I will will probably cry through this, um, but that's okay because it's okay to feel what I'm feeling. Um, This sanctuary houses so much of my life. It's been a backdrop of it for the past 20 plus years. I've sat in so many of these seats. I've walked down all of these aisles, even ones that are no longer here. If you want to hear the story about that, just ask Melissa or anybody who's been here a long time why there's an aisle missing. Um, I've walked in and out of all of these sanctuary drawers, I'm guessing hundreds, maybe possibly thousands of times, and I'm definitely not who I was the first time I came in here, and that is most definitely a grace of God. I remember my first mornings coming here, I sat back in those seats over there, right underneath the wall thing. Um, I sat close to the doors, pretty much feeling insecure about being in this space. Um, I knew church was for me. I, I knew it was for everybody, but I didn't believe it was always for me. After years of attending a church as a young girl and as a teenager and going to a Christian college and working at a Christian organization, I came to this belief that I was always too much this or too little that. And when you feel that way long enough, you, you start to believe it. Um, And then you isolate yourself and you're very careful to show people who you are for fear of being found out. Um, So I lived like that for a long time in the back. And I'm not saying because you're sitting in the back, don't don't feel like, (laughs) don't make them feel bad after church. Um, But I I lived that way for a long time, um, never really feeling like I belonged here. See, the devil shows up on Sundays, and for me, he especially showed up on Sundays. He would whisper lies to me as I would sit in those seats, making me feel afraid to be known and seen. And how I broke free from that is, it's it's a completely different teaching, but the point is this, I broke free from those lies, and when I did, I was able to make friends, and I was able to enter into this community um, and be known. And then I was able to stay and slowly discover that I could, um, that this place could be for me too, that I could let my life unfold here. Um, On January 29th, 
2005, I walked through that back door right there with a veil and a dress. And I made my way all the way up an aisle that's no longer here. <laughs> um, and I made vows to Jason on this stage and I'm certain I had no idea what they fully meant because that's what happens when you're young and in love. You, you say lots of lofty things, um, but I meant them. <laughs> I meant them. Um, I walked up that aisle alone, but I came down it on his arm. And here we were, two young people with enough baggage to sink a boat. And yet God, in his love for us, made a way for us to find shelter and healing in each other. We had no idea what was ahead for us. But right here in this space, we vowed to walk with Jesus through all of it. We couldn't have known that having children would be fraught with so much sorrow. In a span of four years, I'm sorry, I had six consecutive miscarriages. And each time after a miscarriage, my heart was anxious to be back in this space. Because I thought of Job and how in his grief, he never shook his fist at God. But instead, he tethered himself to the Lord more because he worshiped him in his grief. And this sanctuary came, became a place for me to work out my faith. I had always agreed that he worked for the good of those who love him, but did I really believe it? Did I believe that for me? Yes, over time I could believe it, though my arms were empty. But my heart hurt sitting in these seats, looking around and seeing others with babies and their bellies on their laps, that never got easier. And at times it hurt too much to be here. Being reminded of what I long for very often took its toll. But when the tears came, there was always a hug or a look of compassion telling me I was not alone in carrying this grief. See, God made us to carry both the hurt and the joy. And it's in this very space and in, in these seats that I felt that and I saw it. Over here, that door over there is the former prayer room. And I met weekly with other women who were struggling in our community with various degrees of infertility. And together we walked a long road of grief and longing, all while pointing one another to the promises of God. Not, not that he promised give us, giving us a baby, but that he promised himself always. Well, we welcomed our first baby, sitting right over there next to Jason, um, this side of heaven on a Saturday. And the next morning, it was announced right here in this room to our church family that our son had been born. And there was a lot of cheering and great applause. In fact, Jason was able to find the audio clip of it. And we just listened to it the other night. It was so sweet to hear it. Um, I remember at the time when I heard it, Chris White sent it to us. Um, he's at Uptown. And I, I heard all that cheering and all that applause, and I received it for me, and I received it for my son. Um, but really, gosh, it was really, it was all the Lord's, because he had done a great thing, and he deserved all the praise, and he still does. Um, back in those days, when one of us ladies had a baby, we typically moved from these seats to these blue 
IKEA couches in the back. Um, they were not terribly comfortable, but they were better than these seats after you had a baby. Um, so it, it was never anything us moms discussed. It was just um, an understanding that we had that parents with new babies got to have the couches, and then as your baby got a little bigger and other new babies came along, you made room for, for those families. But um, man, I fumbled through nursing, um, bouncing a baby, endlessly to get them to go to sleep. I ate a ton of snacks, and I did doze off a time or two back there, um, but never while Melissa was teaching. <laughs> yeah. um, but it, it felt like a rite of passage to get to sit on those couches, and I did that with all three of my babies. So to this day, even though they're not here, I can still even remember the shade of blue of, of those couches, and I fondly remember them, though I would never want one in my, my house. <laughs> um, and we stood up here, right here on this floor with all three of our children, dedicating ourselves to raise them to know the Lord and asking our church family to join us in pointing them to Jesus. You know, before having children of my own, I didn't fully feel the significance of, of asking the congregation to be a part of raising and pointing my children to Jesus. But um, as a parent now, like, I really feel it and I get it. And over the years, um, these past nine and a half years, I have come to really treasure all the warm connections that our three children have with people in this space. Um, all those like comments and, oh, your dress is so pretty, or asking about what's going on in school and the high fives and chasing around the auditorium or sanctuary, like all, all of those things have made our children feel loved and seen. And it's just a sweet thing as a parent to see other people be with your kids. Um, up there in those seats where nobody ever sits anymore, um, I spoke to my father for the last time. After years of repeated verbal and mental abuse, I made that the last time that I would let him talk to me that way. But the pain from that phone call um, was crushing, even though that decision in my mind was freeing. Um, and I walked into the, at the time I was on staff and our staff offices were upstairs and I, I walked into the office and Melissa and Jameson and I think, I can't even remember who else was there. Um, and, and I found myself surrounded, surrounded like by friends, like these weren't like my coworkers, these were my friends. And I thought, what a sweet little thing that like, even though my earthly father like has scorned me and essentially turned his back on me. My heavenly family has always been there to embrace me and to love me. Um, so that was a sweet thing. 2019 was a hard year for this church and for Jason and I, due to his role as an elder, there were some very abrupt and unexpected um, changes in our leadership. And with that came a loss of of ministry partners and friends. Um, I found myself becoming really weary of this space because coming here meant having to work through the, the hard and messy parts of 
being a church family. And sitting in these seats on a Sunday was a strange mix of um, comfort because there was like this place that led us in worship and spoke words of truth and, and, and we needed that. But there was a lot of um, feeling the hurt and confusion that so many were grappling with, in, including Jason and myself. Um, you know, I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't want to leave because I did. Um, I was tired. I was a mom of three young children whose husband had to keep um, going to uh, essential church meetings to deal with the stuff that was going on. And, and I was worn out from that. And it seemed like any chance we had time to talk outside of the kids, we were, we were talking about church and trying to discern truth. And it just always felt like we were in some kind of battle and it was unrelenting. Um, but it was in the early part of 2020 that it felt like we were like coming off that battlefield and there was a feeling of hopefulness and the people who sat in these seats, including us, were all recovering from a really hard and hurtful year. Um, it felt like a year of learning hard things and having conversations that were wildly uncomfortable. And the miracle was that people like kept showing up, you know, like even amidst all the hurt and the, the hard stuff, like we could collectively see the beauty of the church and our own need to be a part of it. And these seats stayed full because so many of us understood that you don't leave just because things get hard and messy. And, and we did that because of our love and our obedience to God. And it, that's what compelled us to stay. Over here, right there by the exit sign, I remember very clearly, um, one Sunday morning in 2020, before, you know, all that stuff happened, um, that's where I admitted I wasn't okay and told to prayer partners, um, all of the dark thoughts that were consuming me day in and day out. I was in a really low place, like a really low, scary place, and I, I could not see a way forward. Um, yeah. And so where I might have feared to say um, anything, God gave me the courage that morning to, to say it all. In fact, I can remember their faces as I was sharing it. They were so dismayed to hear the things I had to say. Um, and where I may have wondered what people would think of me to say those things here in a church, I met two people who were full of compassion. And where there were chains that bound me, like God set in motion that morning a path to freedom through that time of prayer. Letting others know the hidden parts of me has always proven to be the right and freeing thing to do, always always. Um, well, 2020 felt like a promising year until it wasn't. Um, and while I could prepare an entire teaching on all the things God showed me specifically in, in the year 2020, um, I'll say this. God used that time to sift his people and to remind us that we can only serve one God. So when we came back to in-person gatherings, and so few of us came back, even after no more COVID restrictions, I knew that we were entering an entirely new season of being the church 
and I met it with both excitement and sadness. But isn't that life, right? We take the bitter with the sweet. But I am so grateful for the gift of having been in the church family for so long. 20 plus years is half, just a little under half my life. Um, to have spiritually grown up in a sanctuary like this and in the sanctuary of God's people is no small gift, none, and I will treasure it always. I'm so grateful to the Lord that over and over again, he called us to stay tethered to this church and to the people in these seats. I have loved this church. And I have been loved by this church. I have tasted, seen, heard, benefited, and experienced the immovable, unshakable, never stopping, never failing, glorious, and perfect love of the Father through people in these seats. And this love that I've come to know, it goes on and on and on and deeper still and more than I'll ever be able to remember. And one day, should the time come for you to leave this place, I so hope you feel all that too. Melissa asked me to give an exhortation to you this morning and immediately my mind went to Ephesians 3. The thing that's cool about that is that I had no idea that... Um, this church family would be embarking on a study of the book of Ephesians. Um, and so I just thought, isn't that so the Lord? Isn't that a sweet gift that to the very end, he would unify our hearts and purpose and in mind, that he would allow me to, to have that thought of, to share Ephesians, a bit of Ephesians 3 with you. Um, and so, friends in these seats, and this is... <laughs> You'll, you'll understand these are not my words because when I start reading them, you'll be like, I don't think she talks like that. This is from Ephesians 3. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And strength and knowledge is my prayer for you, Miss O'Day Wrigleyville. Strength to persevere in your pursuit to know God that he may make a home in your hearts as you put your faith and trust in him and that you may have the full knowledge of his love and devotion to you in your heads and in your hearts, both as individuals but corporately as a church, as his church. And that won't be easy. You'll have to fight for it. Each of you and all of you as a church family, because everything in this world, everything outside those doors will want to keep you from it, but keep pursuing it. Strength and knowledge to know him. Be in his word. Be on your knees. Be in these seats. And thank you. Um, Christ Church of Wrigleyville, which was the name of the church when we first started coming here, the Church of Wrigleyville, and now Missy O'Day Wrigleyville. 
Thank you for everything you gave and everything you've been to Jason and our children and to me. We are a grateful and blessed people. And now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. We love to keep the conversation going. Find a weekly gathering or gospel community in a neighborhood near you. To find out more, check us out online at missiodechicago.com.